and welcome to episode 7 of the 10 After 7 podcast with your host, Michael Cody Stevenson. It's March 22nd, 2018, and we're exactly one week away from opening day next Thursday, March 29th, and I couldn't be more stoked about it. But this is the time where spring training, when you get into single digits till opening day, God, can it just happen already? Can, it, can spring training just get over with and can we start this thing? That's when the NCAA tournament starts. We're getting closer. St. Patrick's Day. We're almost there. So over the weekend, I watched too much basketball. Lost too much money, to be honest. And then on Sunday, coming down from that basketball high, sat down, watched Clayton Kershaw pitch. Dominated the San Diego Padres. What's new? Didn't allow a run. Drove in the Dodgers' only run at the plate. Hasn't allowed a run this spring. 14 and two-third innings. Take what you want from it. That's Clayton Kershaw stuff. And five starts? Basically perfect. The week gets even better. We go to March 19th on Monday. It's Kershaw's birthday. The day's basically dedicated to him. Every MLB account on Instagram, Twitter, they're giving him all the shout-outs. Talking about his MVP award, three-time Cy Young Award winner, five-time ERA leader, three-time strikeout leader. It's all dedicated to him. I could care less that my birthday's the next day. It's Kershaw's birthday week. You hear the great stories about when he was a 19-year-old at Burrow Beach. When he wore 90-something, he had a 90 number. That's when you know no one knew his name yet. And there's a story that he faced Kate, uh, Sean Casey. Sean Casey comes to the plate. Kershaw paints 97 on the black. Next pitch, throws public enemy number one. Casey looks at the Dodgers' dugout, and they're basically laughing at him. Yeah, the kid's only 19. Next pitch, another curveball. Casey looks at it, strike three. This kid was special from the get-go. Why am I calling him a kid? I don't know. He's 30 years old now. And I hope the next 10 years are as good as the 10 previous years. Because I'll always say, he's the greatest pitcher that I've ever seen. I remember where I was the first time he started for the Dodgers against the St. Louis Cardinals. I didn't get to see it. I was in Big Bear. But everyone knew Clayton Kershaw, one of the Dodgers' best prospects, was coming up. Then I knew where he was when he threw his no-hitter against the Rockies in 2014. I was actually working. I was trying to avoid, avoid finding out what was going on. Impossible these days. I'm getting Dodger updates nonstop. Oh, he's in the sixth inning with the no-hitter. Seventh inning. I go straight home. What do I do? Watch the replay. And it was as good as it was as good as live, in my opinion. I got the chills. Got the last out. Threw his hands up in the air. AJ Ellis hugs him. Then he does an interview with Alana Rizzo. And I love how Vince Scully kept the camera kept going to his wife, Ellen Kershaw. And Vince Scully. As great as he is, he just keeps going. He's building it up. Basically, in the ninth inning, he said, hey, tell your friends. Get your phones out. Call your friend because something special is happening. Ben Scully doesn't jinx no hitters, by the way. He could say whatever the hell he wants. He's the greatest of all time up there. But Kershaw doing his interview with Alana Rizzo, the bubble machine coming out, and him dancing with his teammates. It doesn't get much better than that. And then when he got his 2,000th strikeout last year, I was on my couch watching that game against the Brewers. Finally, I did see a Kershaw moment, right? I don't miss Kershaw starts. There's just those rare occasions when he does decide to be 
nearly perfect. But he gets his 2,000 strikeout, and I could have sworn that was going to be his second no-hitter of his career. He was dominating the Brewers that game. So anyways, it's Kershaw's birthday. All is right with the world. Dodgers have a night game. The rare night spring game under the lights in Arizona. What happens right away? Justin Turner. JT. Takes a fastball to the wrist. Goes down. You can tell he's in pain. Grimacing. Lays on his back. And you can just tell it's not good. So the game goes on. We're waiting for updates. I actually took a nap. And I wake up to the news. Broken wrist for Justin Turner. Technically a non-displaced fracture, but I don't, I'm not going to get into that because I don't know what the hell the difference is. Break, fracture, I get it. It's still bad. This is the guy that led the Dodgers in batting average last year. OPS. I mean, for God's sakes, the guy hit 319 with runners on and 300 with runners in scoring position. You don't get much more clutch than Justin Turner. We saw that in the postseason. Spring training just went a little bit too long this year. Why couldn't it end earlier? Why couldn't we have 10 playing third base and batting third on opening day? Shit happens. Dodgers know they have the depth to make up somewhat of that. Dave Roberts says Logan Forsythe's going to move over to third. Kike Hernandez, Chase Utley, and possibly Austin Barnes are going to split time at second base. So they know what they're going to do. As far as the batting order goes, Dave Roberts said he's keeping CT, Chris Taylor, and Corey Seager at the top. And from there, I think Bellinger, Kemp, and Puig, you're going to see probably each of them get that spot in the uh, bat in the three-hole a few times. He said whatever makes sense. So I think it's just going to depend on the day and who's pitching. Then the next day, we find out he doesn't need surgery. That's good. So the timetable's a little iffy. The Dodgers haven't come out with a strict timetable yet. No surgery. Big sigh of relief. Now, Freddie Freeman broke his wrist. He came back in six weeks. Another player I saw on a uh, tweet, I think it was Ryan Braun, he came back in nine weeks. I expect it to be somewhere in between. Hopefully earlier. But expect him back in the middle of May or late May. And hopefully the Dodgers could hold for it. We've seen him hold for it before. Turner went down last year. It's just a shame that one of the best hitters in all of baseball can't start fresh. Because we know the damage he could do. The guy was battling for a batting title all of last year. And he had to make up time because he missed, he missed a little bit of time last year. It's just a bummer. The final week of spring training... Really? And he takes a fastball off the wrist from Kendall Graveman of the Oakland A's. Damn you, Kendall Graveman. And Turner gets hit a lot. It was just an unfortunate situation, and he finally the ball, it finally got the best of him, I guess. So that happens. Other news, Yasmani Grandal. Jesus Christ. Give me Yasmani Grandal on a damn contract year. Five RBIs the next day. Hits a team-leading five home runs. The guy started 0 for 11 this spring. 
Since then, 13 of 28. And those five dingers. And with Turner going down and Austin Barnes getting time at second, Grandalt was already, and it's shocking, this really wasn't a storyline. Austin Barnes started slow in spring, couldn't throw until the second week, had an elbow issue, it was, a, it was bugging him a little bit. And Grandall, after that slow start took off, he's basically going to get a majority of the playing time, especially now. And I think that last spot, I think they're going to give it to Kyle Farmer, who's had a hell of a spring. It was going to come down to the Jock Petersons. He finally hit his first home run over the weekend. Kyle Farmer, that very next day after Turner's injury, he was the one starting at third base. He's got versatility. Played shortstop in college at Georgia. But the Dodgers almost made it through spring without a significant injury. And this happens. Huge bummer there. Dodgers still have the depth. This is what this front office has built. They pick up guys here and there all the time. You don't know where they're coming from, who they are, but they will make a name for themselves. I'm surprised Jake Peter wasn't in the discussion to get more uh, playing time and possibly get a spot. He was the guy crushing it in the beginning of spring with those three straight games with a home run. So anyways, that's really the Dodger update right now. Grandall smashing, Turner injury, Kershaw still perfect. The other news with the rotation is it'll be Kershaw, Wood, Maeda, Hill, and Rue. That's the Roto. That's what they're going with. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter saying, how can Hill be fourth? It really only matters after the All-Star break. Who's following Kershaw? And really in September, that's how they're going to set it up. How you're going into the season has nothing to do with that. And you could really, that first month of the season, play matchups. So I think that's what they're doing. I wouldn't look too far into Hill being the fourth starter. I think they're throwing Maeda in the middle there to mix in a righty because they're lefty heavy. And we'll see who gets those last bullpen spots. Jansen's finally throwing. You got Scott Alexander. Libertor's one of the guys that got sent down to the minors along with Verdugo who's been balling. Just to throw that out there. Last update I had last week. The guy was really, I thought, he possibly put his name in the place for that left field job, but he got sent down. He's going to start in Oklahoma City. I'm sure you'll see a lot of him. As far as the bullpen goes, it's up in the air right now. We'll see in the next couple days what that opening day roster might look like. Because right now it's not too clear of what that back end of the bullpen, besides Kenley Jansen, maybe Scott Alexander. You got Petey Baez. We'll see how that shakes out. I still want to get to under over-unders. And this week, I'm going to do the NL Central. We're going to finish off the National League. So what I had that first one in the NL West, I had the Dodgers at the top, Arizona following, Rockies third, Padres fourth, Giants last. And I had the Diamondbacks getting that wild card spot. Then I moved on to the East. It was after the Arietta signing in Philadelphia. I made a couple comments about them possibly being in the running for that wild card spot. But I had the Nats at first. I had the Mets in second. Phillies third. Braves. And then the terrible Miami Marlins. And I did say 
pretty bold. I said the Mets would get that second wild card spot and take on the Diamondbacks. So we moved to the Central. We're actually on paper. I have it written down. It's pretty competitive. More competitive than I thought. You got the Chicago Cubs who have owned that division over the last couple of years. We know they won the World Series two years ago. They added you, Darvish. Added Brandon Morrow. Basically picking off the Dodgers. Good for them. We'll see how that works out. Their lineup's pretty damn good. Young and talented. We, of course, know about Chris Bryant and Rizzo. Bryant's an MVP caliber player. Rizzo's one of the better first basemen in all baseball. And then Schwarber comes into spring. I want to know who lost more weight between Kyle Schwarber and Matt Kemp. That's something I'd like to bet on. Because Schwarber looks way different. We'll see how he hits. We know he got sent down to the minors last year. We know up the middle they have Russell and Baez. One of the most fascinating shortstop second baseman duos. As far as defensively. They have a deep rotation. Lester, Darvish, Hendricks, Quintana. And I've said this before on this podcast. Brandon Morrow, yes, they signed him to a contract to be their closer. I think the Dodgers got the best tomorrow. I think they ran him into the ground last year in the postseason. Pitched nearly every game but one. And we saw when the Dodgers weren't going to throw him in a game. They ended up throwing him. The Astros got the best of them. And that's not me being biased and trying to shit on the Cubs here. I really do think Brandon Morrow was overthrown last year, especially in that postseason. And you went as far as you could go in the postseason, playing seven games in the World Series. We'll see how he comes back from that. They gave him a three-year contract. They won 92 games last year. They're over-under set at 94 and a half. And I'm going to go over. When you have that deep of a rotation, you're going to get quality starts from most of your dudes on a nightly basis, and you should be able to win a lot of games. So I'm taking the over on 94.5, and they will be at the top of the NL Central once again. The second team I have here, the Milwaukee Brewers, made a lot of moves this offseason. They joined the party, called up Derek Jeter, and said, hey, DJ, we know it's a shit show over there and you're willing to trade anything and everything for nothing. How about that Christian Yelich guy? So they got Christian Yelich, one of the better hitters in all of baseball. And even during the World Baseball Classic, I heard one of the broadcasters, I believe it, this guy's capable of winning a batting title. That's how talented he is. Shout out, another Southern California baseball player went to Harvard-Westlake High School. And then they added Lorenzo Cain, another free agent. I haven't seen a lot of Cain because he's in the American League, played on the Royals. We saw him in the postseason. He was one of the leaders of that team. That's pretty good at the top of the lineup, Yelich and Cain. We, of course, know they have Braun, and they're bringing back a lot of guys from last year. Domingo Santana. Arcia and Villar up the middle. Strong lineup. Their problem, remember at the deadline, there was the talk of can the Brewers add that top top tier guy to their pitching staff? They lost out on Sonny Gray. 
and they ran out of gas and couldn't get that wild card spot. That'll be the question this year. They're bringing back basically the same staff. Anderson, Davies, Yolish Jassim, and Junior Guerra. Hey, and they added Wade Miley. We know Wade Miley. He pitched on the Diamondbacks. He's all right. But if Scott Vance likes at the plate, he's hitting a dong. For whatever reason, there's always that hitter for a pitcher that they can't get out. And Wade Miley was never going to get Scott Vance like out. I swear, Scott Van Sykes' only home runs were hit off Wade Miley. The only lefty he actually crushed. They won 86 games last year. Their over-unders at 84 and a half. And you know what? I'm going to go over. I think their offense is good enough. When you add guys like Kane and Yellich, that's good enough for me. Their bullpen's all right. They got Nebel closing. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. They got a guy named Josh Hader. Lefty, long hair. Kind of looks like Spicoli. He's pretty good. Throws hard as hell. I think they'll go over 84 and a half. The next team, very interesting. Because I love to see this team lose. Every Dodger fan on the planet should love to see this team lose. That's the St. Louis Cardinals. And when I looked at their lineup, because they also called up Derek Cheater and got involved with the Miami Marlins shit show, and they said, hey, you know about that guy Marcelo Zuna? Can we give you a bag of seeds for him? And of course, Derek Jeter was like, yeah, why not? I don't give a shit. I just bought this team because I'm filthy rich. So they had Marcelo Zuna in the middle of that order with Matt Carpenter. And Tommy Pham was one of the breakout stars last year. And people think he's ready to break out even bigger this season. They still got Yachty behind the plate. They signed DeJong, their shortstop, to an extension. Paul DeJong, I think. They got Jed Jerko. I love saying that name. I don't know why, but I do love saying it. And their staff, Carlos Martinez. He hasn't really broke out. Like, he really should break out. He should be a top five pitcher in the league. That's his stuff. That's how good he could be. Hasn't really broke out, but he's the ace of the staff, and maybe this is the year. And then you got Wainwright and Waka. Please tell me why these guys decided to have their best years against the Dodgers during the 2000, whatever playoff run it was. We know we faced him every year. Waka won the NLCS MVP. That was the last good year this guy had. Why? Last year, he had an ERA of 4.13 and 165 innings pitched. And Wainwright, in 123 innings pitched, had a 5 ERA. But these guys decided to be at the top of their peak, their games. I think Wainwright might have been hurt that year when Waka was balling. But still... Jesus Christ. I'd love to see those guys now. Throwing up meatballs. Waka hasn't been good since. Then they got Luke Weaver at the back end of the bullpen. Or rotation. He's one of their top prospects. The bullpen. 
They were one of the worst in the league last year. I remember watching them blow a few games. They had a Luke Gregerson of the Houston Astros. We saw him in the World Series. They had a Bud Norris and the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. So they definitely have gotten better. Last year they won 83 games. They won 83 and 79. Their over-under is at 85 and a half. And this actually could be the most competitive division. When I actually write these down on paper, it's shocking to me. How come? Because I'm pretty sure I've said each of the divisions I've previewed might be the most competitive. This one's competitive. 85 and a half games. I hate the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals might return to being a good team this year, and I'm taking the over. And as I picked the Mets last podcast to be that second wild card team, I'm really shaking my head now looking at the Brewers and the Cardinals. The NL wild card race is going to be absolutely wild. Mets, Cardinals, Diamondbacks, Rockies, Phillies. I mean, with the three teams at the top of the divisions, you can basically seal it with the Cubs, Nationals, Dodgers. That's the way it's been. That's the way it's going to be. That's the way it should be. And the race for the two wild cards is up in the air. I'm gonna st- I don't like guys that go against what they said earlier and change up their picks. So I'm sticking with the New York Mets. And I'm not mad about it. A healthy pitching staff in New York for the Mets. They could be one of the most dominating staffs in all of baseball. Diamondbacks, Mets, I'm going to stick with it. But I'm going over on the Cardinals, going over on the Brewers, and going over on the Cubs so far. Now let's move on to the Pirates. Why are we spending time on the Pirates? I don't know. They're part of the Tankapalooza. That's really been the talk of the offseason in baseball. Collusion. Teams tanking. Tanking's the biggest discussion in every freaking sport these days. I can't stand it. You can't turn on the TV during any season. Basketball, football, nothing without hearing the word tank. God, if that was a drinking game, everyone would be shit-faced. Every time you hear the word tanking, you drink. Anyways, Pirates, they still have guys like Josh Harrison. They picked up Corey Dickerson after the Rays. Another tanking team decided to cut him. They still have Polanco in the uh, right field. Steroids, Starlin Marte, Josh Bell, Francisco Cervelli. God. How old is that guy now? 50? Wasn't he part of the Michael Pineda trade? When I when I went over the Pirates, there's actually a cool fun facts that only I would give a shit about. And that's Chad Cool is in their rotation. He made his first career start at PNC Park against Clayton Kershaw. One Sunday night baseball game. Kershaw got hurt after that game. So fuck Chad Cool. They got Jamison Tyon. Really good talent. He had a great story last year. Overcame cancer. They got Joe Musgrove from the Astros. Fuck him. He was on Instagram saying F the Dodgers before and after the World Series, I believe. Uh, there's a bright spot in their bullpen. Felipe Rivero, who they gave an extension to, who a lot of people thought were going to be a part of the fire sale. Apparently, he's got tons of talent. Couldn't tell you because I 
don't watch pirate games. If you do, let me know. Another great thing, they added George Contos to their bullpen. We know him. Clayton Kershaw hit his one dinger off George Contos in 2013 on opening day to win one to nothing in front of a sold-out Dodger Stadium crowd. That's why I'll always remember George Contos. That's why Kershaw's the shit. They win 75 and 87 last year. Their over-unders at 73, and I'm going under. 100% under. And we got the Cincinnati Reds to finish out the Central. Why can't the Reds be freaking good again? After all these years, I don't know why this offseason I've seen things written, tweets about them, just absolutely absurd stats about Joey Votto, and I am absolutely fascinated by him. On MLB Network, they do that 30 teams in 30 days thing. When they went to Cincinnati and Joey Votto was talking about hitting, it was absolutely unbelievable. Eric Burns asked him, what would you tell my six... I have a six-year-old kid. What would you tell my six-year-old kid he needs to know about hitting? And I swear, Joey Votto went on a Kanye West-like rant. It went straight over your head, but you knew this guy was a freaking genius when it comes to knowing baseball and studying the game and taking each at-bat that seriously. And I have heard Buster only, I listened to his podcast, Baseball Tonight, and he said he never had a more genuine, serious, intelligent conversation about hitting with anyone but Joey Votto and Tony Gwynn. And that right there, that alone is insane. There's also a crazy stat that he has the highest on, the third highest on base percentage since World War II behind Mickey Mantle and Barry Bonds, I want to say. That, that could be, I, I know it's third. I forgot the two other players, right? That's what you're going to get in this podcast. I heard that months ago. I usually have a good memory. Take it how you want it. You could take that, say it if you want. I don't care. The Reds, so they have Joey Votto. They have a great prospect coming up, Nick Senzel. They're going to send him down probably for 12 days because that's the rule to prevent him from hitting free agency the seventh year, whatever. It'll be good to see him. You know Billy Hamilton, fastest guy in the big leagues. Jose Peraza, Scott Shebler, former Dodger. Shebler's actually a 30-home run guy. Pretty fun to watch. And then the best baseball name, hands down, Scooter Jeanette, second baseman. Hit four home runs in single game last year. You move to their pitching staff. They have Homer Bailey. He's finally coming back. Look out, though. They have a guy named Luis Castillo. Who might be one of the better pitchers on the rise. Young prospect. I've read a lot about his stuff. I love saying his stuff. Such a baseball word. Simple, but you know what I mean. His stuff. And that's really all you could say. I'll give a shout out to Michael Lorenzen in their bullpen. Absolutely rakes. Went to Cal State Fullerton. Went to one game where he literally played right field the entire time. Hosed a couple guys at the plate. Hit a couple balls to the wall and then came in in the ninth inning and closed. Right now he's a middle reliever for the Cincinnati Reds. And he still actually pinch hits late in games. 
That's a talent right there. Another SoCal baseball player. They're over-under set at 73.5. And And just because I want the Reds to be somewhat decent again, we haven't seen them celebrate anything since Dusty Baker when they won the division that year, maybe like five years ago, I'm going to go over. They're going to finish better than the Pirates, so they will not finish last in the Central. Mark that down. That's my bold prediction here. So for the NL Central, Cubbies. I'm going to go with the Cardinals second. Brewers third. Pirates not fourth. Reds fourth. Pirates fifth. That's the NL Central breakdown. That's my over-unders. And that is the end of Episode 7 of the 10 After 7 podcast. Thank you for listening. You can find me on Twitter at 10 After 7 or on Instagram at 10 underscore after underscore 7. I'll be back later in the week to break down some AL over-unders. Woo! Let's go Dodgers.